Hello, and welcome to the Messy Truth About Leading People podcast with Nikki Roth, Rhea Welsh, and Gavin Fensmith. Hello, Nikki. How are you today? I'm great, Gavin. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. So we're going to talk today about some sort of wider questions of why some people we work with as coachees really take to it and why some people don't. And at the heart of that is a you know, big question for, for us, for you and I, and but for others in the field of talent development and for anyone who's interested in coaching. Right. How come it works for some people and how come it doesn't work for others? So we thought we'd have a conversation about that on this episode. Sounds great. And yeah. by the way, you've now just stated a truism that's a dirty little secret. It doesn't Ooh, work for everybody. Work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't buy coaching for some people and, and some people who think they might want it perhaps shouldn't have it. Yeah. So, yes, frame it for us, Nikki. Where did this come from, this thought of ours? Well, as we've let our audience know, you and I have been doing coaching for a long time. And sometimes it's just specifically coaching or sometimes it's an outgrowth of you know larger organizational things that we're doing. And we never really took a moment to kind of step back and say, hey, you know, what are you noticing? And one day we just, I don't know, went off on a tangent like we're prone to do. And we began to talk about that there's some people that really take to the coaching immensely and really make huge gains. And some people really, you know, like, why are we wasting our time? Why is the company wasting their time? And so it just kind of started there. And in essence, what we began to do was talk about patterns that we noticed. And so we had a list. The list that we came up with, they came in really two categories, really. One had to do with it was really a development opportunity. We'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. And the other category was when somebody's screwing up and they're mm. referred to coaching as a last-ditch effort. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the development opportunity that now talent people are and senior executives are sending their best and their brightest for coaching? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you mentioned this before. Certainly in the last five to 10 years, I think it's now seen as a reward for a lot of executives who, you know, a high potential, an organization is looking upon them as, you know, as stars of the future or potential stars of the future and want to invest in them. There are also situations very frequent now where you know, we're doing a lot of work around team development where individual coaching comes with that because it accelerates the whole process of team development. So it's very much seen now, I think, as a standard method for individual senior executive development, you know, as a way for adults to learn, it's highly productive. And, you know, for lower down the organization is seen as a reward. I mean, I do work, as you know, at um, MIT, and there's no question that students there see it as a reward, you know, for those individuals that are lucky enough to get it back in their own organization. So yeah, that's how certainly I think the bulk of our experience has been. I've done a bit of work in the other category, which you mentioned, and you've done a bit more than I have. Right. So the other category is especially a very senior person, has screwed up and they're on a performance plan. And so again, the rules, the legal rules are, you know, you have to write it up and you have to give them an opportunity and give them three months and this and that, you know, depending on what state you're in. So there's a process that a company has to go through in order to get rid of somebody, even for 
organizations where it's at will, you know, that mm. where you don't really need an excuse. But the lawyers say, well, the person's over 50 and blah, blah, you know, I mean, all these legal things. So I end up with an inordinate number. I mean, I don't do it so much anymore because I've just had a good use of time right. where somebody says, okay, this is their last ditch effort, like either fix them or we're firing them. Right. So it's like court ordered, you know, improvement never goes well. Yeah. Very interesting. Very difficult individuals to work with. But yeah, so what we're talking about here is the sort of categories within those two groups, really. Right. Um, but most of which will relate to perhaps the reward. But we'll see. Let's talk them through. So back to where you kicked this off for us, Nikki, you framed this. So in conversations, you and I stepped back and started to see some patterns in the type of people who are sitting in front of us as we have these one-on-one -on -one coaching relationships. And we were trying to figure out this question, why is it that some of these folks are successful and some aren't? Or put it another way, why are we successful with some of them <laughs> and not with others? Hopefully, most of the time we are, but maybe sometimes you've had this experience and I'm not. And it's important that we figure that out. So that's a question that you know was in front of us. So why is that? So you and I start to have this conversation, digging around what these patterns might be. So back to you. Where did that take you in your mind? Well, so we actually ended up with the big question. Mm. It was very quick to say, these are the types of people that we see. But the big question that we posed that none of the referring organizations pose. I, I don't know about you. I have not had one company say to me, well, before we send people off for a coaching assignment, we try to assess how willing they are to actually grow and change and commit to a process of more intensive self-development. Yes. yes. But for you and I, in our experience, we know that when somebody is committed to their own growth, they do really well in a coaching situation. That's the first five minutes. Exactly. My interaction with someone as a coach, I'm trying to figure out right. to what extent are they right. willing to commit to some self-development. Talk a bit about like what you say in those five minutes that helps you know, even if the referring company isn't looking at this. Well, to take a step back, first of all, you ask the question, who chooses right. executives to have some coaching? And what criteria are they using to send them? Are they using criteria which are simply, what are the leadership competencies that we need here? Or what leadership do we need for the strategy we've adopted? Therefore, what kind of development do we need to build those leadership characteristics? Clearly, logically, very important, but misses, as you said, the fundamental question of once those people have been chosen, are they willing to commit to some personal development? The first five minutes of conversations I have are really probing questions around the individual's current context, current mm -hmm. situation, yep. what they're trying to achieve in their current context, and how they want to get there. And very quickly, I can determine through both the content in the answer, the speed of the answer, the shortness or length of the answer, <laughs> and the body language, you know, where they are in this spectrum that you and I have now put together. Right. So that, to me, is, is kind of what happens. What about you? Yeah, I do something similar. I think I probably get super pointed. 
like once I get the context, because that's critical to everything that we do is, you know, I'll usually say like at the end of this process, I like to start at the end of all the work I do, quite honestly, what will be different? What will you be doing differently at the end of this process that you're not doing today? And they'll, you know, usually tell me one or two things. I'll go like, okay, is that something that you've worked on already? Yep. And why have you not been able to get there? What has prevented you from making that change? And so what I want to get out from them in those kinds of questions, like, why haven't you done it up to now? Because you've gotten feedback on it, or you've set it as a goal for yourself multiple times, but you haven't done it. Why is now going to be any different? Just because mm-hmm. I'm sitting here in front of you, like what, you know, like mm-hmm. you're drinking a magic potion all of a sudden, um, because I don't believe that coaching alone is going to create the change. Yes, it's a different setting and it's a, you know, it's a different opportunity for growth and change, but I still want to know more to this question. What is this person's willingness to actually do something different this time? Yeah. Okay, and, so that's yeah, that's the starting place for yeah. us. And I'm not sure you and I have ever articulated that to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think intuitively we've been, you know, we kind of go there, but we haven't necessarily expressed it either. Right. So, so this is a sort of our first of all, we articulated it to ourselves. Yeah. And now we're expressing it publicly. There is for us: to what extent are you willing to commit to personal development? And we think there is a sort of spectrum, right? According to some categories that we'll talk about in a minute, where along that spectrum of willingness to commit, everyone that we have ever come across with kind of falls, right? Yep. So you want to talk about the categories now? Well, yeah, let's do that. So we have identified types of willingness to commit to self-development. So of those seven, there's a high and a low. There's a a spectrum here of a high willingness to commit to self-development and a low willingness to commit to Mm self-development. And these seven are spread across this spectrum. So why don't you start with the first one at the lowest end? Yeah, because I get more of these than I care for. And perhaps, Nikki, we do one at the lowest end and then we do the highest end. And people can, listeners can kind of get a sense of that and then we'll work our way into the middle. Perfect. So we've identified the lowest of the lowest, resistors. Resistors, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, look, people encounter these. You know who they are in your organization, right? They're defensive. They don't take in feedback. It's everybody else's problem. It's not their problem. You know, if the feedback doesn't match their own positive self-perception, they don't see that they're ever an issue. They talk about unwillingness to commit to change. I mean, this is like supreme. And so when I get called in for these corrective, you know, court ordered (laughs) coaching, Mm -hmm. as I call it, these people are extreme resistors Mm. of like, I don't know why the hell I'm here. And, you know, my boss doesn't know what they're talking about. This company would go to hell in a handbasket if I wasn't here. Yes. And I'm not going to change. I'm not not going to change. There's nothing much I'm going to do. Yeah. So it's a grandiose sense of self. And I'm already absolutely pristine. Other people just can't see that. Yeah. And so I think it's worth saying at this point, Nikki, we're going to have one podcast episode on each of these seven in the coming weeks. So we'll go into a lot more detail with each of these seven, so starting with resistor. So if that's the lowest category of willingness to commit to self-development that we see, the highest category for us is what we're calling explorer. 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure that it's necessary to say very much about this category, but because it's, it's pretty obvious. So individuals that are incredibly curious about themselves, expansive, really interested in how they interact with others, how they come across to others, how they show up with others, and just willing to be a little bit vulnerable and willing to put themselves out there in the knowledge that they will benefit and have really no defensiveness at all about right. growth right. And, and, the, and the journey of growth, right? Right. In fact, quite embrace it. I mean, it's part of their it. MO. And again, I think people would recognize that type at work. Yes, yes. Okay, let's work our way up the mm-hmm. spectrum. So we, at the bottom is resistor, at the top is explorer. So let's work our way up from resistor towards explorer. So the next one from resistor that on, on this uh, spectrum of willingness to commit to self-development is is uninterested so not quite yes not quite as hostile as a resistor but just kind of like yeah my boss told me i had to be here so i'm here you know kind of like low energy about the whole thing low interest in the whole thing i know it's a benefit but you know i'd rather just be back at my desk working yes not particularly self-reflective not particularly you know, to your question, you know, so what is it that you want to work on? What are your goals here? They're hard pressed to come up with a goal or two. Yes. Usually very focused on just doing the task and the job. That's what pleases them. That's what motivates them. And all of this, you know, touchy feely bullshit is of no interest to them. And that's how they see coaching. Okay. So resistors is at the bottom of the scale. Uninterested is the next one. The one above that, so to speak, or the one further along the spectrum towards a strong willingness to commit is what we would call unconscious. Mm -hmm. So we got resistor, then uninterested, then unconscious. And unconscious is kind of the label says it all really. Pretty low self-awareness, pretty limited understanding of themselves in the world around them and, you know, how they interact with people, how people see them not particularly engaged in connecting with other people's reactions to them. And it's a type of person that is happy to go through life without that kind of self-reflection. Right. And on a level of, as the label says, just unconscious of how important this might be or not might be. Right. And with those people, I would say our experience has been, because of the unconsciousness of it, if they develop some consciousness, there's a little bit of an opening there. Right. So there's some possibility that they would commit to some growth. Well said. In fact, when I've worked with people like this, one small, practical, concrete thing that we identify together, they, will, they can find very useful and very helpful, yes. and they'll be very, very thankful of that. Right. But they're not going to spend a lot of time searching for it. Right. As opposed to resistor where it's kind of out and out hostile, unconscious people I would call more passive. Yes. Well said. Okay. So we have resistor at the bottom, uninterested, unconscious. And then we're getting into a little bit more of a kind of positive growth mindset. So the next one up right in the middle of these seven is what we're calling steady. So somebody that is emotionally steady, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Um And does see the coaching as a reward, for sure, and will develop some insights. People like this that I work with will enjoy the experience if you can connect with them and will see how it can help them. But it's not their number one priority of self-development. So they won't go the extra mile to, you know, 
complete a task or an assignment that's part of this self-development without being really pushed a little bit. Right. What else do you see? I would say that, again, like with the unconscious person, if they learn one or two new tricks, one or two new tools to like manage their team differently or whatever, they will use it to positive outcome and they'll think the coaching was great success. Yes, absolutely. So that steady is right in the middle. The next one along the spectrum towards a strong willingness to commit, we're calling a self-doubter. Right. We've so, talked about them on other episodes of the have. podcast before. We have. And this may be the largest category of coaches that we have, quite honestly, because self-doubter, I hope people hear that as uh, non-judgmental. It's, it's how they report. It's a self-report. Yeah. Of I doubt my skills. I doubt my standing. I, you know, I worry about if I'm measuring up. Imposter syndrome. This it, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're fraught individuals. But, but very positive. I mean, extremely right. positive about coaching and self-development. Right. And keen to move through that. Right. Yes. And to them, success of the coaching would be that they don't worry as much anymore. Yes. That they kind of see themselves as effective. Yes, confident, effective. (laughs) And confident and, you know, that the coaching somehow alleviates this stress that they've been walking around with. So they have high high potential for using the coaching experience. For sure, agreed. And then the the next one along the spectrum, closer to Explorer, which is at the top, is Voracious, we're calling. (laughs) You know, people that sit in front of you and I who just – want to search for every kind of possible right. self-development you know, avenue. They will be into mindfulness and they'll be into uh, yoga or they'll be into you know, reading all the latest books. They just want to explore everything possible. It tends to mean, I think, for us that they lack a focus right. and often our job is to help them find focus. But the will is high. Right. And they really want to put a lot of effort into it. Right. And frequently, I think that those people, that lack of focus, I think, again, shows up at work. I think that you know who your colleagues are who are terrific to work with, but their lack of focus makes it difficult to identify what's the priority here. Where's the completion of the task? What, because they bounce around a lot. They just bounce, yes. bounce, bounce. So like their minds are so active and it's true with their self-development. And so yes. we'll talk in future episodes how we work yes. with a person like more, that. But the difference, I want to distinguish that the voracious person is different than the explorer and then that the explorer doesn't bounce around like that. Yes. The explorer is quite curious, but loves to assimilate information where the voracious person may not take the time to assimilate it to create some growth and change. So let's reiterate that. We will have a podcast episode on each of the categories along this spectrum of willingness to commit to self-development, starting with resistor, uninterested, unconscious, steady, self-doubter, voracious, and explorer. We hope it'll be quite interesting for our people, culture, professionals, particularly the talent development professionals, to think about you know, who they select for executive coaching right. and right. indeed how they determine what is a successful coaching engagement because that is an important you know, criteria too. So we will, we will talk about each of those and 
you know, hopefully if any of the listeners interested in executive coaching to see where they might be on this spectrum. Right. We will have posted this these categories on our website yep. so people can see it there. You don't have to hold these categories in your head. And also, I, I, I do want to reiterate to our listeners who happen to be in charge of these decisions, yeah. you know, who benefits the most? Yes. Where should you invest your dollars? Yes. Is And we'll have tools in the future to help you do these assessments. But to ask the question, not necessarily of the individual, because they'll tell you whatever they think that they need to tell you, yeah. but to determine if these are people who are willing to make the commitment to self-discovery. Yes. And those are the people who will benefit from the coaching experience. Yes. And we have points of view about that going back many years of coaching. And we can talk a bit about where we think each of the categories sit on that. Exactly. Kind of, should you as a head of talent invest in this person? Right. Another wraparound for all of this that I want to be clear about is it was popular to talk about learning organizations 25 years ago, mm. you know, was when Peter Senge first talked about learning organizations. The reality has lagged tremendously that there are very few organizations out there that are actually learning organizations. And the more that resources are strapped and the more that we're in whatever this new reality is in the work world, I would say that learning organization has dropped off tremendously. And it's been replaced with either certain training programs or it's, you know, certain, uh, you know, lessons learned, facilitated sessions. And coaching has become more prominent as one of the major learning tools. And I want to be clear that, yes, it is a tremendous learning tool. And you cannot assume walking in, just like you can't with doing a training seminar, that people will take from it what you expect they will take from it, because it has something to do with the learner themselves. And so, so that's the place. piece I want to put a period on. Yeah, no, I think that's a great place to end as well, to reinforce that point. We're not talking about a personality assessment here or a Correct. psychometric tool. What we're offering here is a, a way to think about very precisely the people that you as an HR talent person might want to send to executive coaching and figuring out if they're the right person to benefit from that and therefore who you should invest in. So I think that's a really important ending point. So I'm really looking forward to the first conversation we're going to yes. have, which I guess will be on on resistors. Should we start at the bottom or should we start at the top <laughs> of the spectrum? We'll decide. Yes, we will. All right. All right. Thank you very I'm much. I'm glad we're this out for everybody. Yeah, yeah. We'll, and we'll, we'll, it'll be on the website and we'll put some posts out on LinkedIn and various other places so people can have a look at the categories. Great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.